It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. So today, I want to teach on the second of three weeks that we're going to be teaching this big idea to pay off debt, off debt. Because one of the challenges and one of the problems that we're currently in in our culture is that we've normalized debt. It's just something like everyone has it, everyone does it, everyone, it's just, it's just, it's just normal. And by the way, when I'm talking, just I'm going to state this right up front, when we're talking about debt today, we're talking about consumer debt, not your home loan. That's a, another beast entirely, but consumer debt, okay? And uh, we now have the situation where if you don't have the money to buy something, that's not actually a deal breaker. And, and, and we find ourselves potentially saying, no one gets to tell me what I can and can't buy. And so we reach for the credit card or the second credit card because the first one's maxed out or the third one because the first two are maxed out. And then, and then we think, oh, this is getting ridiculous. Well, yeah. And as a consequence, and I, I'm going to quote some figures I quoted last week, which when I quoted them last week, I had some of you come to me and say, those figures were shocking. And I'm like, I'm glad you found them shocking because if it was a yawn fest, you've got a problem. The average cons- credit card debt per household currently in Australia is $3,841. But look, you know, if you've got credit card debt, that's maxed out and you still gotta you still gotta get the precious. Again, no problem. Take out a personal loan. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a way where there isn't a way. That's biblical, I'm sure. I've read that somewhere. Well, the average personal loan debt per household is seventeen thousand seven hundred. So this is on top of credit cards. Now if bank says no, there's more options. You can just make four easy payments using buy now, pay later. And, and, and the messaging from the BNPL community is there's absolutely no downsides to using buy now, pay later. That's the messaging. And it's, <clears throat> I was going to use an adult word there. It's completely not True and currently, 46% of households in Australia have buy now pay later debt. And these, these precious items arrive at our doorstep, and we say, Yeah, I stuck it to the man. The man tried to tell me I couldn't get it, and here it is. And, and then, but forget, you haven't paid a cent for that yet. Like, like it's in your possession, but you actually have yet to hand over any money for that, that should be a red flag. But it's not because we've just normalized debt. In fact, I was thinking this morning, I wonder if, I don't have any way to prove this, so it's just me, Sunday morning musings. I wonder if you might get more of a shock 
in the break room at your workplace, if you were to divulge to your colleagues that you don't have any debt, that they'd be like, wait, what? Compared with then Billy Bob at the other end of the break room goes, really, mate, I've got four credit cards. They're all maxed out. I got me personal loan for me boat, me me car. I got me car. It's an $80,000 car. I didn't have a cent, but I found someone stupid enough to lend me it. And, And the rest of your colleagues go, yeah, sounds about right, Billy Bob. The, the, the shock that we've normalised debt. Now, everyone's doing it is a terrible way to live if what they're doing doesn't line up with God's best wisdom for our lives. Let me, let me give you a peek inside my brain. You may never recover from this. Uh, Okay, pick the wrong colours for that. There's a, two circles there. It's actually a circle. We seem to maybe haven't paid our electricity bill. We've only got a third of a circle. Uh, so pretend there's two circles. This is what's called a Venn diagram, people. And this is, like, this is one of my visual frameworks for living. It's simple, just like me. That we live, hello, ah, uh, just when I was thinking, it's me, I, I'm the problem, it's me. Turns out, I'm not. Uh, so here, here's a little visual that, that I literally use in my head. And it's a challenge. We live, we live in our prevailing culture. Like, and, and the reason I say it's a challenge is because a fish doesn't feel wet. Okay. Meaning the longer you live inside a culture, the more everything that you are exposed to just seems like normal. That's our prevailing culture. And it's not all bad. There's a lot of churches over history that have railed against all things prevailing culture. There's a lot of things in our prevailing culture that I think are terrific. And I, and I, and I can't find God dunking on them either. That's the stuff in the middle. The stuff that over, overlaps. The, the people that give to Telethon. The people who volunteer in, in, in community facilities, that stuff overlaps with kingdom culture. Though it's important to then also recognise there are some things in kingdom culture that don't overlap with our prevailing culture. And we, we actually have to make a choice, a very conscious choice. Now we can choose just to go with the flow, everyone's doing it. Or we can look to kingdom culture, which is always higher and better and has greater promises attached. But it, but it has to be a choice and it lives outside of kingdom culture. And that's when your friends start to think you're a weirdo because you don't have debt. Like, what? Huh? Sounds terrible. No, 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 it's kind of it's what we call freedom. Now, by the way, still not convinced that we've normalised debt in our society. Just last week, started this series, had one of our team ambush me, couldn't wait to share this story with me. Okay, fire away. Well, actually, just so happens, just this last week, our primary aged child, 
before dinner was playing a game on their iPad. So we're getting ready for dinner and we say, you know, what, you know tell us about the game, what, we, what you're doing. Oh, it's a game where, you, where you, you sort of like, you have a house and you sort of like, it's a homemaker game. Like you, you sort of make, you know, add things to your home, furniture and so on and so forth. And mum and dad think, oh, that sounds like a great game. And you primary school, yeah, 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 she goes, see ya. Yep, so just uh, today I got my credit card the game, in the game and I used my credit card in the game to go and buy more furniture and, and mum and dad are like, wait, what? Now it wasn't a real credit card, okay. So mum and dad, you know, didn't get fleeced. But they were like, uh, this is an eight-year-old playing a game where they are now being shown that just the credit cards just, it's that, that's actually how you buy things. Now, when it comes to our finances, let me just zoom out and uh, revisit something I did mention last week. Generally speaking, people will find themselves in one of three categories. Like as of today, you might find yourself, you will typically find yourself in one of these three categories. And God's got something for you, regardless of which category you're in. So if you're behind, then guess what? Today is especially for you, but you'll identify with some of these characteristics and the feeling you feel is not freedom, it's stress. Then there's caught up. These are people who have made some progress, who made some forward progress and they're feeling stable and, and some of these things characterise your current financial world if you've made it into the caught up category. And then there's a better Next category of ahead and you're excited and this is freedom and opportunities and you are the one that's telling your money where to go, not having some lending institution telling you where your money has to go. And one of the reasons that we put this up there and one of the reasons we ho we're highlighting this is too often people that are in the behind category have resigned themselves to what they consider to be, I'm always going to be in this category. And God would say, that doesn't have to be your story and your journey. And then people in the caught up category are like, well, you know, it's better than behind, which it is, but there's still more progress, more opportunity, more freedom in front of you. And so we're just teaching stuff that hopefully is going to see you who, who have the opportunity to move forward in your financial journey, that there's hope because there's a better way. And last week I showed a, a cheat code. It's actually a cheat code for life, um, including a cheat code for our finances. It's something that God spoke through a spokesperson named Jeremiah. And it, and it reads like this. This is God saying, this is what the Lord says. And visual people, let your imaginations run free. Go to this place with me. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, here's the promise, and you will find rest for your souls. See, God's wanting us to understand that there is actually options. There's actually more than one way. And in fact, wisdom isn't for you and I to look around at our prevailing culture and ask what everyone's doing and copying that. That's not 
wisdom. Wisdom is us to stand at the crossroads and look at what's everyone doing that's not winning in their financial world and probably don't do what they're doing and look instead at old godly ways, which I promised last week might sound a little boring, might not be featured on the uh, commercial breaks tonight during peak viewing. They might not be popping up in your social media advertising. Old, godly, boring, consistent, tested for thousands of years, uh, not spectacular, not glamorous, but absolutely rock solid wisdom that works, it's a choice. And one of the mistakes would be to dismiss old godly ways. You know, I mean, come on. Those people back then didn't have to deal with the big four greedy banks. They didn't have the temptation of Amazon Prime free next day delivery just a click away. No, sure, but they had their own financial challenges. And the great thing about old godly ways is they've been field tested for thousands of years by countless people. And I'm excited when I teach this because I actually know some of you are those people. Some of you, and we're going to show a story at the end of the message about one of our team members, couples, uh, but, I, but more and more, they're like, oh, yet three years ago, we learned the old godly ways and we started to apply them and here's our journey. Wow, fantastic. Some of you haven't yet learned or applied. Those are two things. But you're, chances are you're sitting next to someone who has, by the way, an undercover debt-free operative. And then some of you have the opportunity to become those people. Now, if you've got your smartphone, uh, how about you scan this flow code? I did have some intel. Uh, I saw some intel this week that, and this is not a criticism, it's intel, that some Android users, when you scan this flow code, it comes up super small. So you can't click or something. I don't know. Not my problem. Phone Google. Take it up with them. Anyway. It's going to take you to Proverbs chapter 22. Now, last week we already shared some of the Proverbs. Proverbs are written by a, a, a guy, second king of Israel named Solomon, considered to be the wisest person that ever lived and actually historically the richest person that ever lived. So maybe he's got some clues about financial management. So I'm going to drop us into another one of his uh, wise Proverbs. This one, though, uh, I will describe, preface it with the word sobering. This proverb from Solomon, if you have debt, buckle up, it's sobering. This is what Solomon wrote thousands of years ago, still applies today, perhaps more than ever. The rich rule over the poor, okay, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to to the lender. I'm just going to go full disclosure. If you knew in the last 12 months to Elevate, when we teach on debt every year, I read this exact same proverb every single year. Some of you knew this was coming. And every single year when I read it, and remember people, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. But I read it. And, we, and, and this word slave, which is not a very cool word, 
this word slave comes up. I know some people every single year are like, ah, that sounds a little hyperbolic. I mean, come on, Solomon. If you want to just exaggerate. I mean, you know, the borrower sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe owes the lender a favour, but they're not slaves. Sure, that's slaves. And so when I get that maybe a little bit of pushback, again, I didn't write this stuff. When I get this little bit of pushback, I unofficially suggest a little, a little, just, in fact, I say it this way. I'm not recommending you do this, but if you want to know if this is true, you could do this. If you're in debt and you don't really believe that you're a slave to the lender, here's what you could do. Just an idea. Just stop making your repayments. Like today. From today, from today. Just, you know, spend the money elsewhere or just don't spend it. But just whatever you do, don't make the repayments. Just. You will very rapidly discover. In fact, I'd suggest you're probably going to discover within the course of the next one month the exact nature of the relationship you have with the lender. Because here's the reason this, I believe this metaphor is incredibly accurate. The thing about slaves is they have no options. You do what you want, I mean what you're told, when you're told, and how you're told. And this is the relationship we enter into when we carry debt. We are now 100% subservient to the lender. They will tell you when to pay, how to pay, how much to pay, and wait for it, the sorts of consequences you're going to experience if you don't pay. So... Just to be clear, I, I, we're not here today to be a total wet blanket and say, like, don't ever buy once. You know, just buy eggs and lettuce. And that's it. Eggs and lettuce. <laughs> like, th there is a place for wants. Wisdom would have us slice and dice wants a few different ways. First of all, be very uh, honest with yourself between what's a need and, and what's a want. And here's the thing. If, if you don't define the line between needs and wants, the prevailing culture will try to define the line for you. And things that are actually wants will start to be presented to you and to me as needs. And I mentioned this last week. Miraculously, you've lived without them so far, but now somebody's trying to tell you it's a need and you're like, oh my God, how, could, how, how is it even possible that I've survived this long without this thing? And also understand that the line shifts a little. It can shift day to day. Mood to mood, visit to the fridge, visit to the internet, crappy day at work, line shifts, 
bit of uh, retail therapy is in order. Don't have the money, but we'll figure something out. I'll feel better for a bit. Uh, for example, today, for me, it's New Jeans Day. Hello, New Jeans. This is their first outing into the wild. Yep, arrived this week. Yes, Amazon Prime. Amazon primed them to me. New Jeans Day today. But these jeans have been on a very dynamic journey crossing over from the needs to the wants, back to the needs, to the wants and back to the needs, actually was over about a four month period. So I had a pair of jeans. I'm not convinced people need two pairs of jeans. I have a pair of jeans. I had a pair of jeans and I bought them uh, 10 years ago. And I was, there were Levi's and I was following the advice. Listen to me, people. I was following the advice of the CEO of the Levi Strauss company who is on record as saying that one ought not to ever wash denim jeans, full stop. Quote, don't look at me, I'm just the messenger. So I followed his advice until such time at about year eight of ownership that the thigh section of my jeans had developed something of a sheen. And I can't think of how that happened, but uh, so I'm like, all right, listen. I mean, CEO of Levi's, I've, I've held the line for eight years, but like these jeans are starting to stand up on their own without a body inside of them. So I'm like, okay. Ran them through the, just the gentle, the delicates wash cycle. And I swear, the very next week, the first rip in the knee appeared. I think it was just the schmutz that had been holding them together that long, actually, after eight years. And then every Sunday, like that, that line would get like longer and longer. Some mornings when I was putting them on, I, I wasn't confident I, my feet were going to make them all the way through to the bottom and just like push out this way and I'd have a bit of jean hanging off the back. That would be pretty random. Louis says to me one day, who by the way has got some seriously gaping holes that apparently gets cool, uh, says to me one day, it's starting to look a little unprofessional. And I'm like, okay, I think it's time to go on some Amazon Prime and get some new jeans. So I, Sunday afternoon, I put the jeans into my shopping cart. But I'm like, Now, Amazon Prime experts will tell you, if you just wait a few days, that price might go down. It also might go up, but you know, I like to live on the edge. So I just left them in the shopping cart. That Wednesday, price hadn't shifted. I moved them from the shopping cart into the save for later section. Thinking, I reckon I can get a little bit more time out of these unprofessional jeans. And... I don't know, a couple of weeks ago by, and I'm like, the rips are getting bigger, then a second rip started over here, and then sometime later, a second rip on the same leg. And I'm like, I don't know where this is gonna go. I started to be convinced that like, like I am only probably a few Sundays away from these becoming jorts. Everyone know what jorts are? They are jean shorts, which you can buy, but you're not meant to sort of create. Uh, so, I went back, I put him back into my shopping cart. I'm pretty frugal. Now, by the way, difference between frugal and cheap. 
Just understand that, okay? Frugal is plain brand sugar. Cheap is plain brand coffee. Just understand the difference, okay? <clears throat> so I'm like, I just, I don't know. Another month. Put them back in the save for later section. I'm preaching here one morning about a month ago. And one of our team members, you know, trusted person, who I recall had actually sat in the very back row at the end of our live experience, ambushed me and said, Mark, uh, it's a great message today. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, sure, fantastic. Only one problem. While you were preaching, all I could think about was how white your knees are. <laughs> that was my turning point. Those, these jeans departed the Amazon facility before I even left to go home for the day. Okay, it's a, that example, here's the one for you, Andrew, was intentionally a stretch. But for real examples, this is the point. What's a need? What's a want? And sometimes those categories will shift. But if you don't define it, culture will define for you. But not only define between a need and a want, it's also critical that we define enough. Because again, if you don't define your enough, our prevailing culture will define it for you. How many is too many? How many is enough? How much is too much? How much is enough to spend on that? Like, like what's the actual finish line in whatever this thing is? And, and the third thing that will actually be more of a preventative thing from either going into debt or going further into debt is this old godly way of if it is a want and you're like, I know I can live without it, but it'd kind of be cool to have it. And you don't currently have the money to afford to buy it. Then here's the old godly way. <sighs> Wait, continue to save. And then when you have the money, Put it in that shopping cart, head to the checkout, and away you go. Uh, Reese and Jess over here, um, and, and we're going to show a bit of their story uh, shortly. They have a, a, fun, a fun little saying between the two of them. Budget says no. So Reese will see something. Eyes will start to go like on the cartoons. And Jess will see the eyes and will say to him, Reese, budget says no. And Reese goes, Okay, for now. <laughs> so let me move final slice onto real practical steps. If you are in debt, and again, we're not here to judge you. We're glad you're here because there's forward progress. There's hope. There's a, there's a pathway out of being buried under debt. The individual that we... Is our go-to guy. He's not the only approach. He's not the only uh, expert. So I'm not saying this is the way everyone has to do it. I'm just saying this is the way that a lot of our people have done it. Uh, and that is you know, getting out of debt. So I'm just going to show you this as an example. But again, it's not the only example. I'm not paid commission on this any of that. But it's a guy named Dave Ramsey. He's a financial coach, expert kind of deal. And uh, he talks about baby steps. Now, he's got seven baby steps, and, and I'm not going to read them out to you. You can find them for yourself on the website ramseysolutions.com. 
The first two of his seven baby steps, however, these are the ones directed at people who currently have consumer debt. So remember the seven baby steps, and, and this is, you know, plays to that idea that there's forward progress from behind to caught up, from caught up to ahead. But if you're behind, you know, this is you. This is the two first baby steps that Dave Ramsey recommends that many of you have actually done and they've worked. Shocker. The first one is to save $1,000 for your starter emergency funds. Now that sounds a little bit paradoxical because if you're like, I can't even make my minimum payments on my, on my credit card and on my, on my consumer debt and you're saying that, that I should start, uh, like find $1,000. Well, first of all, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is Dave Ramsey's uh, recommended approach. Um, yeah, because one of the things when you're behind, and we did flash it up on the slide at the time, is that you're one breakdown away from disaster. You're one, oh dear, you're one pay away because there's no emergency fund. So if that stops working, if that breaks, if that comes in, you, you, you might even get sunk. And the way to get the thousand dollars is just an old godly way is that, is that, <laughs> and it might not be easy. Can I just say that up front? Is to do everything you can to start to spend less than you earn. And I mean like it might take the nuclear option. My parents did this. I've seen this in real life. My, my, my dad, there was a, ser a, series, a season of several years when my brother and I were, were in high school where uh, he took a second job. He worked constructing roads in the Shire of Kalamunda, hillbillies, you're welcome, uh, by day, so 7 a.m. on the asphalt, finish at 3.30, home by 4, shower and shave, put on a tuxedo and went in and worked as a doorman at the Perth Concert Hall. I mean, if you've been building roads all day, the last thing you want to do is anything, but he, but he did that. that and I, 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 I saw that and I benefited from that. Um, uh, my mum my mom always had a side hustle going on. She did, uh, back when people didn't have computers, she typed up uni students' assignments for them. They'd hand her barely legible handwritten notes and she charged them per page or per hour. Um, she learned how to do cake decorating so she could do that and make a bit of extra money. She did people's ironing, right? It's like... Oh, ironing's so boring. Here, this could be your, your next move. Netflix and iron. That could be your ticket to getting $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. You're going to be watching it anyway. Stand up, push the iron. Beautiful. Makes it, I'm just saying, these, there's gig economy out there. There's, there's ways, but it might be like you have to stop doing some things that are just sort of luxury, wasting time, spending time. I read a stat this week that the average person spends eight hours a day watching television. I'm like, what average person are you referring to? That's the average unemployed person maybe. But anyway, point is, maybe, you know, more ironing, less Netflix. And then once you've got the $1,000, what you, what you have actually demonstrated to yourself in baby step number one is that you can find margin. You found it. So take those, that same discipline and those same, those same practices and start to apply them 
to your debt. While you're getting your emergency fund, Dave Ramsey recommends just pay the minimum amounts of your debts, like keep the lending institutions off your back. You won't feel like you're making any progress, but get the $1,000 and then start hacking away at them. Now, Dave Ramsey recommends the debt snowball. Let me just geek you out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with this. Some of you is like, I didn't sign up for an economics class. Okay, but this matters. Dave Ramsey recommends the debt snowball. There's really two uh, well-established, universally established approaches to paying down debt. One is the debt snowball that Ramsey recommends and the other one's called the debt avalanche, okay? Um, in very simple terms, the debt snowball has you listing your debts from the smallest amount down to the largest and try to tackle them one at a time, whereas the debt avalanche has you listing the highest interest rate one at the top and getting down. This one, the debt avalanche, makes more sense from a mathematical point of view. But I like what Dave Ramsey says. He says, maths didn't get you into this situation and it's not gonna be maths that gets you out. See, the debt snowball, what that recommends is you might have a debt that's only 100 bucks, is your smallest, and then your largest, maybe you've got five debts. The largest one's like 12 grand. But, but get rid of the 100 because the, the discipline and, 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 the, and the fact that you achieved it and you feel like you've had a win, the emotional side of that, you carry that forward into taking on the next one. And they don't feel like I could never pay off 12 grand. Well, just start with a $100 one and then take that win and that discipline and that momentum and take all the next one, which might be $700, and then keep working down the list. It's gonna need you to create a budget. You're looking at me like I just killed a puppy. Listen, I'm gonna say it again. It might require you to create a budget. Yeah, I know. I know why you're looking at me like that. You're like, budget sounds limiting. Yeah, it is. It will limit the possibility of a debt collection agency calling you, demanding their money. It's limiting. It will limit the likelihood of you making impulse purchases and getting further into debt. In fact, it'll also limit the chances of you lying awake at night wondering how you're gonna get through another week financially. Yeah, I love that budgets are limiting. Limit me, baby. Budget says no. So here's a little slice from last year from uh, Reese and JMac. Um, it's going to take us a bit over time. I'll make that up to you next week. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm happy just to add a bit of bonus content. Is that's, this is a year ago. There, uh, this journey idea that I talked about earlier. There, one year later-ish from when we filmed this, their story has continued. And so they've actually made themselves available. If you want to just uh, tell me more, they can tell you more. But even this is pretty hope-filled as it is. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after.
and to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.